Lasting Media. Hey guys, this is the uh, Bad Decisions Podcast. I curse a lot here. What do you want me to say? This is your official warning. I don't want to have any Katie Duke curses a lot bad reviews on Apple because you've been warned. You're welcome. Welcome to Bad Decisions with Katie Duke, the only podcast that dives into raw and unfiltered conversations, the real shit that we all go through but never talk about. Now here's your host, Katie Duke. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce one of my dearest friends, the chief asshole of um, the Fire Department of New York. <laughs> um, his name is Justin Ensman. He's single, ladies. Just want to let you know he's got a flaming personality and he's fabulous. But for the next like forty-five minutes, he's probably going to make me feel like shit. A little but bit. That's but that's what friends are. That's what friends are for. Uh, Justin knows that I'm a little emotionally unstable, so he's going to be nice to me today, aren't you, Justin? <laughs> no, no. Um, Justin just so happened to be in Nashville, like at the same time I was, and he called me last night and he's just like, Hey, you're in Nashville? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, I'm here teaching a hazmat course. Justin, um, what are you like 50 years old? How are you? Yeah. Something like that. Uh, you might, uh, you might know when my birthday is. <laughs> Justin and I have the same birthday, June 27th, but he's a lot older than me. I am. I'm a lot older. I turned 45, so. Oh, but 45's I, the new like 35. Yeah, it's, it's the cool thing <laughs> to be nowadays. That's what I'm convinced of. It's okay. No, Justin is one of my dearest friends. He was one of my first few friends um, in New York City. He's a paramedic, but more importantly, he is part of the um, Ladder 18 Rescue Squad. Squad 18, squad not Ladder 18. 18. Ladder 18's on the Lower East Side. Squad God, 18, Special I, Operations Command. I've literally been getting this wrong for 10 years. And I have like 56 Squad 18 hoodies and t-shirts. And I'm still a terrible best friend. Wait, it's what is right. the difference between a squad and a ladder? Uh, well, in New York City, there's a couple of different type of fire um, response companies. There's a ladder truck. Uh, which she keeps referring to, Ladder 18, which is a great company <laughs> and a great firehouse on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Um, but a ladder truck's responsible kind of for forcible entry and searching uh, within a building for victims and ventilation of the building when there's a fire. Um, engine companies are the ones that put out water. Uh, squad company, uh, we work in the Special Operations Command. So uh, within the, my firehouse is physically within the West Village. And we have engine boxes, engine response boxes within the West Village. But anything outside of the West Village, from the Statue of Liberty to pretty much the middle of Central Park, east and west, we go to every fire in the borough of Manhattan. Every time somebody's in the water, under a train, stuck in something, uh, there was a building collapse today. My company was at the building collapse. Any type of technical rescue or hazmat we go to. If somebody's under a train, somebody's stuck in a car, extrication, um, if you know, we go to every fire with the primary uh, role of firefighter rescue, but thankfully we don't have to do that too much. But that we have all the extra training to do that and kind of like help out. And, uh, Basically, the they're things. the baddest ass fucking house that's, in that's the entire <laughs> yeah. in the entire fire department of New York. That's pretty good. It's a good place to work. It's a good place to work. And it is Squad 18, ladies and gentlemen. I, so the funny thing is, so Justin and I just happen to be in Nashville at the same time. So he's here in the studio gracing us with his presence. And um, I haven't seen Justin since before. Yeah. 
uh, since before I moved. Um, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. We had lunch. You, me, and Adam had lunch at uh, in e- Italy when you came to Oh, New York. we did. I came back because you kept yeah. talking shit to me, talking about you're not a New Yorker. You don't yeah. live here anymore. It's true. And that really fucked with me. And you kept doing it. And rightfully so. But we had a great lunch. And look, we had a great lunch. But look, here I am now, months later, and I moved back to New York. How about that? That's it. Obviously, it was uh, because of what I said and nothing else. (laughs) You motherfucker. (laughs) Clearly. Oh, God. Um, So, obviously, the title of this podcast is called Bad Decisions. Um, Justin probably has more bad decisions than any of us in this entire building combined together. I don't know about that. Of course you do. I don't know about that one. No, he's a good egg. Justin is a good egg. I don't have a podcast named after it. (laughs) No, you don't. But I feel like this is really cool to have you on here because, like, first of all, just you explaining what your role of your squad house does is so fascinating and it's going to be so fascinating to so many people. And I would love if you would share some of your, like, New York Squad 18 experiences or if you want to get into bad decisions. But I feel like people are going to be ringing me off the hook with wanting to hear, like, your stories. I've never had never had a firefighter on the podcast. Firefighter. Never had anybody from the fire department in New York on the podcast. Never had any squads of ladders or engine companies ever. And I don't think anyone really... I don't think any of the like podcasts that I've listened to have. So tell well, the people well, you your story. You have a different audience. So there are there are some firefighter podcasts out there. Uh, two friends of mine from retired from the FDNY have a pretty good one going right now. What's it called? It's called Getting Salty. Getting Salty. And uh, I actually I've been <laughs> wait uh, for it. Get, no, no, no. It's a, it's a firefighter thing. It's a firefighter thing. So. What is that? Is that an inside joke for a firefighter? Kind of. Um, when you see our gear. Like, the guys who are a little bit more seasoned and the gear looks like a little... Like turnouts? Yeah, the turnout gear, the turnout coats and everything, though, the look a little bit more seasoned and beat up. They they kind of joke around and say, it's, you know, look, oh, look at this one looking salty. You looking... Know? Oh, because, like, yeah. it starts to wear... Yeah, the heat and the, heat you know, the and chemicals the, and everything. The, and the smoke and just kind of yeah. like it looks. It looks. It looks cool, you know. It, until you get some education and realize that all that chemistry in it <laughs> isn't good for you. It probably isn't good for you. But it's uh, especially when when you start now. Especially you see all these old pictures of these old firefighters, and, and like I'm saying it now in my mind, I'm like these old salty firemen. You know, you see that gear, and you want to uh, aspire to be those guys. You yeah. want to resemble those guys that have been through things. So yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's now it's science is getting in the way, and we're realizing that hey, you know, you got to clean your gear every now you and then. You got to clean your shit. You know, shit. all that chemistry, <laughs> all that stuff that's in smoke. You know, it's not just smoke; it's it's chemistry and it's hazmat and it's killing guys, and that's how people get cancer. And yeah, so um, so do you clean your gear after, or do you swap it out? Is there a company that comes in and takes is, it? There is a company that cleans our gear twice a year. Um, I actually do. Uh, if I go to a, a good fire, uh, like where there's heavy smoke and black smoke, I, I actually get my gear. We're allowed to like have our gear get sent out and deconned, and I, I send it out. Um, in the beginning, I was kind of like I started doing this a couple of years ago, really when I became a hazmat instructor. Um, so I teach hazmat. I'm here teaching uh, confined space rescue for the Nashville Fire Department, and I have to say, what a great oh, class. that's dope. Yeah, what a great class, great facility, great bunch of firefighters down here. And uh, the other instructors are just, uh, you know, top-notch, and it's it's fun to work with them. Wait, confined space. So, like, if I, like, baby in a well, confined yeah, space, of, yeah. or, yeah. like, building just, collapse? Just like that. Can, baby in a well is a good one. You know, somebody in a, uh, more like Andy Dufresne. 
in uh, short shank stuck in a tube somewhere. Oh, that's man. that's a favorite drill of mine. That's like, hey, let's Andy great... Dufresne this mannequin. Oh my god, that's and, such a great uh, movie. You know, so that's it. So you know, putting firefighters on ropes and having to like lower a firefighter into some place, get a firefighter out of some place, get a, a victim out of some place, and also. Be conscious of the atmosphere that we're in. Hey, is there enough, you know, is this a toxic atmosphere? Is mm-hmm. it, uh, ca- is this atmosphere and environment able to sustain life? You yeah. Know? So what, do we need extra protection going in there? So Do you need oxygen? Do you need? Yeah, do we need uh, supplied air? You know, so a part of the class is, is monitoring the atmosphere and then figuring out what we have to wear to protect ourselves and protect the victims. And, and it, there's a lot to it. And, and just understanding uh, the rope work and the, the like you hate to say science with it, but physics behind it. But, um, I feel like that's very there. you. So Justin is also a really skilled scuba diver and he dives like shipwrecks all over the world. A man of water and fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it, man. We can we cue Game of Thrones music, a song <laughs> a, of, of uh, fire, fire and ice, a song of fire and ice. Um, no, but he, I feel like that. That would terrify a lot of people. Think about being in the water. You're kind of in a confined, but yeah, not well, confined space, well, especially you know, then like going into caves, caves and shipwrecks. I, I do a lot of cave diving. So Yeah, cave uh, diving and shipwrecks. But I just had a, with my elbow, I, I'm getting over a broken elbow, but I had to go to get an MRI and the, the technician was like, are you claustrophobic? And I'm like, uh, I'm a cave diver, man. <laughs> Be like, no. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay, we're good. <laughs> okay, okay, so we're I actually, good. I fell asleep during the MRI. So. Oh, you probably loved all that. And probably that's the most banging you've heard in your life in a while, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. If you've ever been in an MRI scanner, there's banging noises. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's very loud. Yeah, so. it's wow. like super, super loud. Okay, so you are teaching these guys how to get out from confined. Is there like one specific... Like, what's one of your most remem- like memorable confined space or firefighter rescues? We had, we had, we had, we had, we, in Squad 18, we, we do a bunch of them we've, over the years. Um, we've had a number of them. Uh, there was one a couple of years ago where I, I still don't know how the guy got in there, but for some reason he was naked and he <laughs> this was. This is starting out good. And he was in a <laughs> chimney. So, uh, wait, was this a firefighter or just no, civilian? No, no, it was a civilian. <laughs> so it was like uh, five o'clock in the morning. Somehow the people inside the building heard him was screaming he the, for help. Was he in the Lower East Side by chance? Sounds uh, like a Lower East Side problem. He, he kind of uh, more like Hell's Kitchen. No, no, it was downtown. It was closer to, uh, yeah, like the border of Lower East Side, Chinatown area. Yeah. And, uh, we were in the, like there were pictures of us in the paper, but yeah, the guy for some reason decided to be naked and fall down a chimney at like five o'clock in the morning. So, sun was just getting up, people were waking up, and uh, I guess they heard him in the wall and they called 911. <laughs> so, uh, you know, like the first question what? I asked them when I got him out was, All right, what were you doing? What were you, you doing know, in so the he, fucking he, chimney? He didn't want to tell us, so I'm sure it was something. Uh, was he an EDP? You know. Nah, the, he, he, Seem pretty rational, but you know, then again, I don't know how rational a naked guy in a chimney at five o'clock in the <laughs> yeah. morning can be. But he was up to something. What I don't know. Wait, but, so uh, how how like deep? How far down was he in the chimney? So if you picture, what kind of building was this? A townhouse? It was an apartment building. Townhouse, an apartment. Not. It was no. an apartment. It was like a, a old law tenement, so about a five story building in like the lower part of Manhattan. If you're familiar with it, so the chimney sticks up a little bit protrudes from the roof a little bit so maybe about like five feet off the roof or six feet off the roof and he was kind of like in between the roof 
level and the floor. So like oh, of that apartment, but within the walls, obviously. Yeah. So uh, can we you had, imagine the people in the, in the apartment? It was funny, man. There's it a was, fucking yeah. person in our wall. Right. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm gonna have cereal, and oh wait, there's somebody in the wall. There's someone in the wall. So uh, you know that was one of the like easier ones. It, you know he but was. How did we, you get we got in, him out. So. How do you get somebody? I always think of the one where it was. I remember growing up, the baby in the well. Like, baby in the well. I remember this like it was yesterday. Baby fell in a well. A toddler fell in a well in a backyard, and it was like thirty something feet. Also yeah. the, also the um, the guys in Thailand last year. The um, the cave rescue. The cave rescue. Yeah, that was a little bit different. Um, probably there, a much a lot probably a that. much bigger space, but. There's a lot to that one. I know some of the people that were. I've talked to some of the people that were involved in that rescue. Is is a lot. That's that's a whole other episode. Um, but we've had ones where we've had to break the wall to get in to yeah. like people who were in ductwork or shafts and fell and like we've had to like uh, you know just take down a wall and then still get within the ductwork and that's kind of hard because you can't see them. So, you know, you don't want to use a saw or something and cut them by accident. So <laughs> Fucking kinda, dismember them. You're kind of using sound and you're kind of trying to establish some sort of contact with them. And, and you know, our goal is to always do – not to do any more harm. Yeah. You know, get yeah. the person out, make them better than they were when they were stuck in there. So uh, – What about people – have you had anybody survive being under the train? Yeah, all the time. We're, we're probably under trains a lot. Uh, at least once are a they, week. We're are they hiding train. in the in the middle? You know, between the third and nah, the uh, that little divot where no, all the rats no. Sometimes, out? sometimes, but they're not the ones that really need help getting out. Sometimes, so uh, people, unfortunately, people you don't hear about it a lot in New York City, but we're under trains a lot, and within the five boroughs, companies are under trains a lot. But yeah. a lot of people jump. Yeah. So I know for a yeah. fact one of the guys I used to work with as a medic. And for the city, he became a train conductor, and, it, and that's like a two-day class. Like when he went, and they teach you, inevitably somebody's going to jump in front of the train. Yeah. So you don't hear about it that much. It's just that delay when you're going to work in the morning. You know, yep. You hear about un- the unfortunate people that get pushed or do yeah. something stupid. Yeah, trip you know, like, and fall hey, I dropped my phone, and I'm going to get my, my phone, phone yep. you know. But uh, you don't hear about the other people that kind of jump. But yeah. a lot of those people do make it. They survive. Um one of the things that's doing that, and you've worked at trauma centers in the yeah. past, and if anybody knows about being hit by a train, it's you. Motherfucker. So, uh, um, I was waiting for it. I just man thought of versus, it. I was like, perfect. Listen, Damn. perfect timing. Man versus train. Man versus, man versus train. That guy survived, if right? If you guys don't know where this is coming from, Google it. So, Nurse gets fired for insensitive Instagram post. Katie Duke, New York Med. There you go. I still say best best title for your book ever would be best Fired. Title. Katie fired. Duke story. The Katie Duke story. Oh my god. But I it, just it's but it's amazing to me that I guess when I think people jumping in front of the train, I'm thinking they're likely not surviving. Or they're getting pinned in between the train and the platform. That doesn't happen that much like a space case, but it do, it does happen within the city. Every now and then you do get a space case, but it, it, it's not as common as people think or as common as movies make it out to be or, you know, Hollywood makes it out to be. Uh, I personally think I've been I've been in special operations 18 years now. So I, what I think has really made the biggest difference in survival amongst people is tourniquets. So when yeah. I first started, I've been a paramedic and within EMS for, for 23, 24 years. 
So I'm Wait, old. What are the pants? The um the mass pants. We don't have that in New York City pants. anymore. Okay. I used to All love right. them. They yeah, worked. yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, you know who used to always talk about those was um Uncle Bill. Yeah. At the Hill. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Uncle Bill and I loved talking about. It. I, I love, love those Uncle things. Bill Pickett. But uh, so you know, tourniquets. Well, tourniquets save lives, and and you know they don't have the the thought process behind. When I first started, we were taught they were last ditch method like that was the last possible thing we were going to do if nothing else works then you use a tourniquet mm-hmm. and you know unfortunately because of like all the wars in the middle east and all the soldiers who, who've gotten shot and hurt and bombs exploding and ieds and stuff like that they they don't have a hospital down the block in new york city you could throw a rock you hit a hospital yep yeah so how many um, hospitals in a 17 mile island God, of manhattan there's 20 something? something probably yeah you yeah know? like uh, and now they have all like the the they're opening up all these first med type places and urgent cares and, urgent and, cares and freestanding stuff like ERs that. and shit. But um, they're doing what we found, you know, like the medical field found out that tourniquets weren't as bad as they once thought they were. Yeah. You know, they do save lives and we don't have the bad part that was associated with it. We weren't doing any damage to people. As a matter of fact, it's we just were, they weren't we were using them the right. They weren't using them thoroughly enough. Oh, it's all advances in, right? in it's all advances in medicine. Like years, like when you look, you know, if you look at wars from the eighties or even the nineties, and the wars from the seventies, you know, going back to like Nam, like they, they didn't even have like those mash type units as much as they have now. They didn't have the training, they didn't have the, the equipment that they have now. So nowadays they're evacuated pretty quick, you know. And the corpsmen are, are you know, the, the corpsmen that are in the military are, are better than they've ever been and trained better than they've ever been and mm-hmm. given more equipment than they've ever been. And they realize that turning, they can get to, to an, an operating table pretty quick in the, you know, yeah. as, in a battlefield condition. Yeah. And tourniquets are saving lives. That tourniquet lives. is the only thing that will keep that possibly yeah. traumatic arrest yeah, or you know, even it, 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 it a, a life shock. or limb situation. Yeah, it, it stops shock, shock, saves it, a limb. It, it, it does a lot of things. So yeah, maybe you lose a limb, but you don't or lose a life. Loses a limb, but you don't. Yeah, saves a life, loses you a know. limb. So in New York, so with these people on the trains, like you know, we get a lot of amputations, and and we're putting tourniquets on all the time now, and and you know what? It's saving lives. It, it's the biggest thing that I think has made a difference when it comes to that form of trauma. Have you had any extrications where you had somebody with like a life or limb threatening injury and they were in a confined space? Can you like walk us through people on the uh, people on the trains? Like probably that? are the are the the most common one that I can think of. How are they not like mangled and no, dead I, though? They are I'm, they're mangled. It's just you know what it is again. They just ma- they're just they're still alive. You know, they're still alive. Like you yeah. know what it is. Like okay. uh, everybody's got a cell phone. Yeah. Right. Everybody's yeah. got a cell phone. And if you go on Instagram and you're occasionally on Instagram. Shut up. So uh, if you go on Instagram no, what and look it up, what does everybody do before they call 911? They're videoing it. They pull or they're recording their... it, you know, so but people call 911. We're, get, we're getting emergency services are getting the calls faster than yeah. they ever have in the past. Because everybody's got a cell phone. Nobody's got to run to a pay phone anymore. God, do you remember what that was like? Nobody's got to go to a pull box and pull a, a, a you know, a handle yeah, or hit yeah. a button, you yeah. know, like right away. It's just 911 now. Yeah. You know? And you have Wi-Fi service in the subways in, the subways in now, New yeah. York. So you have Which service. is like crazy. There's a few spots where you ain't getting shit for service. Like basically anywhere where the F train is. Yeah. So <laughs> no it's, fucking it, service, it's but... similar to medicine, right? Like that early chain of survival that they teach you with ACLS and all that. Like it's the same thing it's it's an early chain of survival people are calling 911 quicker the resources are getting there quicker we're applying tourniquets and first aid quicker 
the ambulances, which are there's more than ever. You know, they're getting you to the proper facility faster and you're mm-hmm. getting into that OR faster. So, you know, that person who's got some sort of amputation under a train, they're getting treated quicker. They're getting transported to that trauma center quicker, up into that OR quicker. And, and maybe there's a picture of when they're in the ER. I don't know. Maybe you should. <laughs> I hate you. Uh, Justin is, like, throwing lots of low blows with New York Med references and... Yes, I was that nurse that was shit-canned on national television for posting a picture of an empty trauma room on New York Med on Instagram back in 2012. Thank you very much. Great show. Great show. Five stars. (laughs) Great show. (laughs) Two thumbs up, says Siskel and Ebert. (laughs) Great show. I'm still, like, so fascinated with the whole confined space thing. So let's say you have someone who, like, how do you first determine what kind of environment is down there? But how do you then determine, like, what if that person cannot move? Like, they can't hook a lever onto their belt and They're, you pull, like, how? We don't kind of rely on them, too. What we do, the first thing we do is we make sure that atmosphere is okay. Safe. Right? So, yeah. and, and, and that could mean the two things we worried about is, is it going to go boom? Like, is it going to go on fire? Or is it going to make us sick? So is there enough oxygen in there for us? Is there too much oxygen in there for us? Is there some? If there isn't enough oxygen, that probably means there's an, a whole lot of another chemical there. So, like we carbon ha- dioxide, could or could be carbon dioxide, could um, be anything, could be you know helium don't gas. Don't know. Could be helium. Could be propane, chlorine. Could something. be propane. Okay. Could be methane. You know, depending on what everybody had it for lunch. It could be your fucking farts. Right. Who knows? Depending on that what shit they had is deadly. For, depending on what they had for lunch. It could be some who knows some form of sulfuric acid. Quote unquote natural gas. Well, sulfur dioxide, right? One of those that's a very toxic chemical. It doesn't take much to, to knock you out. So and kill you. Two breaths and it's pretty much enough to kill you. Where do you find that at? So in well, caves. That, that you in caves, yeah. Any place it's a byproduct of decomposition. So in the sewers, that's that like egg smell oh. that you smell, all leaves and stuff. Oh, you so know. oh yeah, that's sulfur. sulfur dioxide. Yeah. So what's the difference between that and like going to Yellowstone and the, smelling the geysers? Because that smells like you're out. I mean, you're outside. I wouldn't want to be in that geyser. Okay, so like you know. in a confined space where you have no like free flowing fresh right. air. Okay, that's I a get problem. It. So uh, that's the first thing that we do, you know, and and uh, it's weird. You know, that you're asking, but 65% of victims around the country are what they call would be rescuers. So, you and I are working at a construction site or at some sort of uh, occupation where there's a confined space where we're doing work, extrication, uh, excavation, not extrication, or construction, and you take two bad breaths of something and you go down. What's my first reaction as your, as your coworker, as your friend? I gotta go help you. Mm-hmm. I go over there. What happens? I take two breaths, I go down. Now, oh. the other guy sees us. He comes running over, you know, and hopefully he's got the whereabouts to say, wait a Be second, like, wait. that's not good, you know, or otherwise yeah. it's just a domino effect until somebody says, let me call 911. <laughs> let me call 911. And that's what happens. And that's not, you know, that's not a bad thing, you know, it is. But, I mean, like, people are trying to help people, you yeah. know. So, But then we got to come in and we have to recognize that there's some sort of toxicity there probably that did it you know there's nothing physically that happened to them obvious physical trauma there has to be something else so we have meters and monitors that we can use to assess the atmosphere and then what are we going to do if that person we think that person can be rescued then we got to get in there so we'll wear uh some sort of supplied air to get us in there and be able to get that person out what if you guys can't fit in there 
then like again, then we try and baby make it, in a well. Then we try and you make that. that then we try well. and make that uh, position bigger. Then we try and make that bigger, and we do what oh, we can to do that. So like, if it's something that could be cut open or dig around in and get into it, it or shore it, it and or open it another way, yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of it. There's not one way to do everything, and you know, each incident is different from the other. And, you know, that's, you know, you call the fire department, we come and we get it done. That's It's a can-do attitude, can-do atmosphere, can-do job. We figure it out, you know, because yeah. somewhere in the country, somewhere in the world, the fire service has probably done it before. Yeah. And uh, we just kind of build on that. And that, like right now, teaching these guys in Nashville, you know, they're, they're these guys are now going to be trained better than they once were. You yeah, know? yeah. And, and they do, they have a pretty... They do a lot of extensive training down here in Nashville, so they're uh, they're always building on it. So mm-hmm. you know, and that, and firefighters today are, are better trained than firefighters of yesteryear. Yeah, doesn't mean yeah. that we're better firefighters. Doesn't it's mean just, that you it's have just more we got training. more training. You more, know, so more resources, more training, yeah. more techniques, more gear. And, and we're building on what those guys in the past did. Yeah, you know, we listen to those stories and the, and the information and and the SOPs and tactics that were passed down and now we're just building on them you know part of uh the training today was figure it out guys show Mm -hmm. me you got an idea show me yeah you know see if see if it works now's the time to see if it works if it don't work okay now we know it don't work right it's a mannequin you know so um and and just on the record how is our nashville fire fire department you're very safe these guys are fantastic these guys are absolutely fantastic jonas is gonna go home and start a fucking fire i I can't blame you i can't blame you (laughs) he's gonna go and find some some sulfur dioxide and test it out these guys are fantastic i just have to say like you never really hear about the fire department that much and you never really see them until Until they're needed exactly it's not like unless you you are fdny and you're like world-renowned respected yes in the spotlight it's the same thing man these guys down here go down a hallway when a building's on fire same as we do so everything's the same they go in when everyone else is running out and that is the true definition of bravery and courage and skill you Mm -hmm. know and you, you can't there are no parallel positions than being a firefighter. And there's so many more things to it than just fighting fires. Like how many, I guarantee there's going to be so many people DMing me being like, man, like I, I didn't realize that all of that was encompassed within the profession of being a firefighter. Like, a, lot of, a lot of people don't realize all the training that we do. They just think it's, uh, you know, us in the supermarket or us, uh, you know, us, us making SpaghettiOs. Things out, yeah. And, um, uh, SpaghettiOs <laughs> would never fly in the firehouse, no. FYI. But no. it's the uh, same thing. You know, wherever where, wherever the, a firefighter is, it doesn't matter what city they're in or what municipality they're in. They're, they're, guys got to do the same thing, and, and that's mm-hmm. what makes the fire service unique. That These guys are going to – I can't get over how much construction is in, uh, down here in Nashville. So half oh, the yeah. downtown area. Yeah. I, went, like, I went to a store last night. I counted six cranes just on the block that I was. Yeah, I felt so, like I was back in New York. I so, was like, what the fuck? Inevitably, they're going to be going to construction accidents because mm-hmm. people always get hurt at construction accidents. There's always a problem at a construction accident. So yeah. these guys are going to do this work at some point going forward. It's not a question yeah. of if. It's just a question of when. And now that you know, the students that we have are going to be better trained than the students. Yeah. You know? in the past so i want to know what you were going to say about the thailand cave rescue 
It's just a different. It's it, it was different. What was this? Let me. I gotta look that up again. What was the what was the situation around that? I, I really can't remember. It was but it was kids. They were like a team. They were a soccer team, and they were yeah they, they, yeah yeah, and yeah, that, yeah that where that cave system is. The the water isn't normally there, so they it's almost like dry caving. They go in, explore, look around. But it just so happened that, you know, there was some Heavy weather. rains. Yeah, it was storms. Partially flooded the flooded cave, cave blocked their way out. So where the kids were they, were, they were in an area that they weren't submerged in water. It was damp and wet and everything. But they couldn't make it to the exit because there was now water there. So that's a whole other, like, rescue thing. Is, is Two uh, rescue dri- divers died on that. They did, yeah. But uh, just because of my cave diving background and obviously with I, what I do with work, I've talked to some of the people that were involved and uh, there, were, there was a lot to that rescue. It was very complex and, you know, hard part of the world to get to, uh, get equipment to. Also, and, resor- and yeah, me- resor- resources, yeah, resources. Limited resources yeah. and environment. Um, but they did an excellent job. You know, they did a really good job of getting those kids out. And those kids, you know, one day that's going to be some movie. So. There, no, there is. They're, they're making a movie. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be some movie one day, you but know. But they were in there for 18 days. Yeah. And I just, like, what? Well, you had to get the right. You had to get the the right people there. I don't know. They couldn't order any anything. So no Postmates going to the cave. So uh, I have so much. No seamless or anything. No seamless. Oh, no Grubhub. I have so many. um, There was two British divers that found the group alive four kilometers from the cave mouth where they entered. That's fucking far, yeah, it's man. Far. That's a far swim. So, I've, uh, um, like I, I said, they, they had to get these kids in the water and get them out. There was a lot of things they did. Uh, it's a pretty complex story. And I, and I know I couldn't really do it justice right now. I've talked, Like I said, I've talked to some of the people. I wasn't there, so I can't say anything. But even just talking to them, it, it's a complex story. Just uh, the planning alone. Executing it. Wow. You know, that's another thing. But just the plan... And what they had to do logistically and resources and planning just to to make that rescue happen. Pretty pretty impressive feat. That's yeah, man. That's like I didn't realize it was that far in. Yeah. So when you have to think like all the logistics behind that beyond the rescue, like just being able to kind of calculate like you have to make sure that the divers can get all the way in there, get them safely and then get back safely. And if you're going into a flooded cave, like the amount of oxygen and air that you would need, like diving several miles in, the di- you know, and you for also the divers don't know the environment in there. For the divers themselves, yeah, you're correct, right? Like that's one thing. Can they get there and then they come back, right? Do they have enough uh, air? Do they have enough gas to get there and back? Do they have the proper mixture of the right gases to get there and get them back? That's one thing, right? But you're assuming that the people who are, are making that rescue are are capable people. Mm-hmm. Right? Like well, one at, of them was the at, tide. If you call 911 in New York City and you get squad 18 for a rescue, you're getting the you're most fucking, capable you're people You're getting in a the bunch world. of capable motherfuckers. Right. One of them was a Thai Navy SEAL. Right. He was actually one of the ones that passed. And the other one was a was a rescue diver. They ended up getting – they consulted the best minds in the world in, yeah. in rescue, in cave rescue and, and scuba rescue, right? But the pro, but the one issue that you, you really kind of have to think about the whole situation, right? You had a bunch of kids, mm-hmm. right? So those kids aren't divers. No. You know, so they had to get those kids somehow through the water and teach them how to dive, 
you know, how are they going to breathe? You know, how are they going to react? Not everybody reacts the same they in certain situations. They are also not emotional, emotionally right. stable. They're scared. Right. And strength-wise, right? Strength-wise, right. They're, they're, they're not the same as they were the day they went in physically, you know. So there was a lot to it. And like I said, it's going to make some movie. I, I know some of the particulars, but I can't do it justice. And I don't want to really expand on it because I, I won't say the right things. That's really, yeah, it's really interesting. Like when you... Um, when you like, when you think about all the different aspects that go into like a rescue from a, again, like a confined space, it's just not something you think about on a regular basis. But when it comes on the news, it's fascinating because again, like in the back of my head, I'm always just like, God, how do you get in there and get that person out? And, that, and that's part of the training, <laughs> right? That's part so... of training, learning different ways to do it, learning different, uh, using different. What's um, the most difficult one that you guys have done on squad 18? Uh, I don't know. I don't know which is the most difficult. We've we've had to assist people, rescue people from cranes. We've had to get people out of ductwork, get people out of trains, get people out from behind walls. I don't know if one's more difficult than you the other. You responded when or... Sully's plane went down in the Hudson. I remember I was yeah. working. I was working at at Cornell in yeah. in B Bay that day. Lauren Reed was in charge. Yes, and I was in charge in B Bay. I actually did a whole. I did an episode on that on this podcast. Yeah, but um, I like I said, I wouldn't. That know, was a good one because oh, you didn't have to. You know. Well, it was cold. That was a cold day. Yeah, it was. So I, I wouldn't say one's more day. difficult than the other, or or they're all different. And you know, maybe what appears to be, yeah, that'll be a pretty easy rescue. But now we're dealing with weather, you know, or that or that. I can do that, but there's something different that maybe there was some construction that they changed things that we didn't expect. So, or maybe what the one victim is. Acting pretty easy and rational, and the next person who you would think, ah, they should going be okay, is crazy. going nuts. You know, <laughs> so uh, they're all different. Luckily, the training it, things become muscle memory. You know, so uh, doing it over and over and repeated, and and constantly training and working on things, the muscle memory kicks in and the instincts kick in. And that's what you train for. Work. Yeah, that's what the training is for. So when the when the time comes, we're able to do it and. You know, like I said, I, I'm lucky enough that I work with the best, you know, men and women in the world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I I have a question. Earlier in the conversation, you mentioned, and this is when we were talking about the gear, like the turnouts and the, the um, exposures and things on the gear of the chemicals. You said black smoke. What is, what's black smoke versus smoke inhalation versus... There's no difference. I mean, when you, you when more things are burning, and depending on what's burning, the the different types of chemicals that are burning. Um, and today, and and look at your apartment, you know. And I haven't been to the new place wait, yet. Wait, do you remember? Wait, but we got to tell the story. We, we will tell that story uh-uh. in a second. But I, I'm saying, like, look look at this. Look at the room we're in now, right? This this room's actually pretty good. It's like but a ten there's by not a lot of things in your six foot. But think about your apartment. Think about the, look in this room right now. How many things are made of natural fibers? Okay. Not not <laughs> may, maybe this table, right? This yeah. is an old wood table. Every nothing else in this room really is natural fiber. Even most even most things that look like wood are are synthetic IKEA crap, right? Most desks, yeah, yeah. most tables. You're talking bad about our furniture? Are no, I like this <laughs> table right here. This table will burn pretty good. It's got carbon. This in is it, a good right? burn table. But, uh, <laughs> It's natural, right? This is like made from nature. Like the IKEA stuff isn't. It's and, part and of it's got and, all yeah. polyurethane and synthetic crap in it. And it's all chemicals, right? Like if oh. you were to break it down, it's all chemicals. And you don't think that years ago when everything was just made Solid of natural wood fibers or steel and buildings or, yeah. were natural fibers, wood, 
you know, it's stuff that's made from nature. Not that it's that, not that it's great for you. You should be breathing it in, but there's less chemicals in it. It's natural chemicals. You know, the stuff that's burning nowadays in any apartment. Like, just think about your apartment. Think what's naturally made in your apartment. Not much. You know, everything's put together with lacquers and glues and synthetics and polyurethanes and and benzene, latex and, and like all it, kinds of lead. Ba- it's all, all kinds carcinogens. Of shit. It, it's all if you were to look up the chemicals separately, they're all carcinogens. The 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 adhesives that they use to hold things together, the the synthetics that they use. You know, plastics is one of the worst things out there. But it it just it's all carcinogenic when it burns. And what do we do? We go in there and we breathe that stuff in. And then, you know, back to grammar school, when you went to grammar school, how does things, the states of matter, how did, how does states of matter change? Heat, temperature, yeah, right? Heat, Water, yeah. Solid, ice, liquid, gas, right, heat, temperature, you know? yeah. So, and what, what's the environment that I tend to work in? Hot. So hot changes things. Yep. You know, high temperatures change things. So we're, brought, we're in there and when, it, you know, we don't always have our masks on. And, you why? Know, why would you go? You mean like when you go in a house fire, you yeah. wouldn't have a no, mask? No, we on? we do, but there, you know, it's limited working time. There's only so much gas that can be put in that bottle. So you know, when it's kind of once it's over and there's still residual smoke around, that you're not always wearing it because you've expired it. You've used it. You know, you you've yeah. So um, it would be nice if we got into the state of mind of all right, it's time for me to leave now. And let somebody your, else come in. But it's hard to do that. Your, the resources yeah. aren't always there. Yeah. You know, as large a department as it is out here in Nashville, like, it would be hard for them to, they don't have the resources that we have in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So it, it's tough to do. Yeah. You know? And it, it is a culture change when it comes to stuff like that. But we're still breathing it in. Yeah. You know? And then that stuff that's on our bunker gear, right? What do we do? Next time we go somewhere, it's it's... It's, it's leftovers the, the from the temperatures previous. on it. Make that a gas maybe oh, now, okay. and now we're breathing that in, you oh, know, or I, yeah, I or just saying. the ambient temperature is now changing that to a gas, and you know, I don't like to use the term off gassing it, you yeah, know, but it off gases, and it's you're breathing that in. If you can smell it, you're breathing it in. So black smoke is if you go into like let's say a house fire, someone has. <laughs> 16 rooms of Ikea furniture and lacquer painted everything. and yeah, tons it's just of, a lot of stuff that's on so fire like, and under a lot of pressure. With a lot of, like, added chemicals yeah. above and beyond just natural wood or natural yeah. brick or natural Yeah, like who – you don't really think of it. Or something. You don't yeah. really think of it. So yeah, okay. It, it, it's bad stuff that's out there. So here's, here's my um, – my next question is if – how can I say this without sounding like an idiot? <laughs> Oh, I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> okay. Um, so we're going to tell a little story. Um, let's, this, say, let's, this was let's a, tell some stories. This was a bad decision on my part. Okay. Um, so like I said, I have known Justin for like over 10 years. It's always good to have a firefighter in the family, okay? It's always good. And one good thing about working in New York and when I first started, I was an ER nurse in New York, is the fire department and the NYPD and the EMS and the ER everyone becomes a family and you grow these really great relationships with these guys and girls. And, um, you know, you, you all become friends. And so one day when I was living in Harlem, I called my friend Justin cause I almost burnt my apartment down. <laughs> um, true story. So, true story. Um, so here's what happened. Um, so in New York city, 
in Harlem, specifically the building that I was in, it was a mixed income building, which means that it had New York City Housing Authority regulations on the windows and the permits and the property because New York City Housing Authority has like you have to have window guards, you have to have a certain amount of elevators, staircases, blah, blah, blah. My apartment, it was a nice like 700 square foot apartment, which that in was New a York, nice apartment. it was fucking beautiful. Yeah, I like that place. I had a washer and dryer in there. I had a, two bedrooms. It was phenomenal. Probably one of my favorite apartments other than the one that I just moved into. That was, that was a nice place. I like yeah, that one. it was really nice. It was a nice little kitchen. Yeah, yeah. It was speaking good. of kitchens. Speaking of kitchens. <laughs> speaking of kitchens. Um, So <laughs> I like, I love cooking things with cheese. Okay. I'm just going to put the disclaimer out there. And mayo. Okay, mayo. You use mayo, mayo is, on everything. I do, but you, you eat my fucking. I do, yeah, but you know you I don't like my, mayo. But don't tell me that there's mayo food. in there. I know, and it's but okay. you still eat the fried chicken. Your fried and, chicken's good. Yes, and it but is basted ne- in you mayo. You don't necessarily need to put mayo in like everything, and you do. Justin, yes, I do. Just stop. Let me let me live. Tell us about your cheese. So <laughs> the fucking. Um, so I am like baking like lasagna. Um, to kind of like take take to work over like the next couple days. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you may not know this about the Duke. <laughs> phenomenal cook. Oh, absolutely a nice, phenomenal cook. A compliment. <laughs> I cannot tell you how good a cook the Duke is. Aww. All right, she really we can, is a we can phenomenal cook. I can verify that. We've it's I've not all meal. it's not all Instagram, folks. No, it's, it's not. It, it's she real. Is, that is one of her Aww. unappreciated talents. Is that she Thank is a phenomenal you. cook. I made Going dinner to for... the supermarket with her, not so much fun. <laughs> not so much Eating fun. Eating the food, a whole lot of fun. Eating the food. <laughs> no, I made dinner for these guys and their and their wives last time I was here. And um not a bad decision. Nope, not, not a bad decision. So I'm making lasagna and I have like this big tray of lasagna, and you know me, I pile like four inches of cheese on top of it. That's true. And I put it in the oven, it's gonna go in the oven for like 35 minutes, and I go in and I take a shower and I'm getting ready for work. And as as I, first you of all. You can almost hear the Looney Tunes music. <laughs> first of all, this is not like an abnormal procedure. How many times have we put something in the oven and then hopped in the shower? Justin is not going to agree with me because he's a no, cautious it's true, firefighter. It's true, it's true. Yes, but you're also guilty of it. So I go and I take a shower and like maybe 20 minutes. So the oven is also on 475 because I wanted to get a nice crust on top. I'm sure it was going to be great. I'm in the shower, and like 20 minutes after I'm in the shower, um, I hear the fire alarm going off. And the fire alarms in New York City apartments, they are, like, you cannot miss them. You will hear them through the whole fucking neighborhood. It's almost like the Shabbos alarms in Brooklyn. Like, it is really loud, and you cannot mistake it. And it's loud for a reason. You know, you have... 200 units in a building if there's a fucking fire in one place you're screwed so i hear the fire alarm going off i'm like god that sounds really close and i knew the lady next to me didn't fucking cook and i didn't know the person next to me but i was just like that doesn't that sounds like it's coming from my apartment but eh, <laughs> but eh, who let knows me, let me put the conditioner so in. i yes yeah, so i finish my shower shave my legs i get out And um, the fire alarm is still going off, and I'm like, God, this is so annoying. Now, keep in mind, my kitchen 
And where the fire alarm was in the kitchen and my bedroom, there was a door that separated the entrance to my bedroom hallway and then a door with my bathroom in it in my bedroom. So I had two big, like, heavy doors separating how far away it was. It was about 20 feet away and two doors. So, like, you have to kind of understand, I wasn't 100% sure it was my fire alarm because it was a little muted. Anyway, so I start to blow dry my hair and my blow dryer is loud as shit and I couldn't hear anything else once I turned the blow dryer on and, you know, put it right up to my ear, blue dry, blue, blue dried, blow blue dried, dry, blue dry, blue dried, blow dried, blow dried, she said blow, she said blow people, blow dried my hair. So, um, now we're probably looking at like 40 minutes that have gone by and I'm just in my blissful state of ignorance and... I pop my clothes on and I open the door from my bathroom and I walk four feet and open the door that leaves my bedroom and the entire apartment was filled with smoke. And when I say the entire apartment was filled with smoke, I could not see fucking four feet in front of me and I had to run back in my bathroom and grab a wet towel and put it up and start breathing from it and thank god I paid attention in my hazmat training because I at least knew that like I don't need to be breathing this fucking burnt ass cheese in so I ran over and I like turned the oven off immediately and I go to pull the fucking lasagna out and there is burnt cheese like a foot of it on the bottom of the oven. And if you know, like, why does, Justin, please give me your professional opinion. Why does burnt cheese ruin your entire life? Why? Why is it so volatile in a fucking oven? Because it's meant to be eaten. And you didn't eat it. That's not a good, no. Yes, that's God an, wants that's you an to unex, eat it. That's an unacceptable answer. So the cheese had overflowed. And then it stuck on the bottom of the oven and it literally had turned into like this black mountain of fucking soot. Uh, charcoal. I don't even know how to explain it. In other it. words, she set the cheese on fire, I folks. set the cheese on fire, ladies and gentlemen. So I am like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? And I go and I'm like opening the, um, like my door, which just leads to a hallway and an elevator. And then I'm like, I got to open the window. I called Justin and I'm like, Justin, my place is burning down. There's smoke everywhere. I can't breathe. Oh my God. He's like, I need you to calm down. I need you to open the window. And I'm like, I can't open the window more than two inches because it has the stupid New York City fucking housing authority locks on it. <laughs> And thank you, New York City Housing Authority. The windows only open two inches. I could wow. not get any air into my apartment. I was literally coughing, freaking the fuck out. And he's like, you got to find a way to get the window open. And I was like, I have a power drill. I literally pulled out a fucking power drill and undid the window guard um, screws and pulled that fucking window open. And I literally, like, hung myself out of the window like, I, I was desperate for air. The entire apartment, I, I'm telling you, like, it, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Yeah, I, that, that stuff hangs around for a while. But that, that was an interesting phone call. <laughs> like, calm down. What are, you, what, what are you trying to tell me here? And he's like, why are you calling me? Open a fucking window. He's like, I was like, now's not the time to make phone calls. Open and, Unless you call 911. Open the windows. 
And he's like, are there flames? And I'm like, no, there's just smoke. No, there's burnt cheese. <laughs> no, I'm like, it's okay, just every, a bunch every, of burnt cheese. Everything's okay. It's open the windows. It's a bunch of burnt cheese. And eat, I'm like. Eat the lasagna. And I'm like, I can't <laughs> open the window, Justin. I was just so upset that lasagna was ruined. <laughs> lasagna was, that lasagna was trash after that. And the sad thing was, was that the house smelled like burnt cheese for <laughs> like two weeks. I had to wash all my clothes, like towels, everything. And if you live in New York, you know what burnt cheese smells like because all the dirty water dog and the halal carts smell like burnt cheese. It's an interesting except for aroma. The, except for the nuts for nuts carts. Those smell oh, so those good. So good. But yeah, lesson, ladies and gentlemen, is don't freak out if there's no flame. Open a window. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, she, she did good. I had a moment. Anyway, yeah. So lots of, lots of great, lots of great memories over the years. But um, that was a bad decision. I'm not going to leave like I have not ever left something abandoned in the oven that has cheese in it since then. But what I have done was I have put, like, a protective layer of foil down in the bottom of the oven so that if the cheese does spill over and it's unattended. Oh, that's a, that's a cleaning. <laughs> that, don't try and act like it was for safety. It's because you didn't want to clean that grate ever again. I didn't. It fucking took forever. And then I actually remember one time when I was living in the old hospital housing building when I still worked at 14, and I um, I did this – I had a teeny tiny like 300-square-foot studio apartment, and I turned the oven on self-cleaning mode. And then the next thing you know is like I, I syncopized in my own apartment, and when I like <laughs> woke up, I was like nauseous, and the whole apartment smelled like gas. And I was like – this is a problem. No oxygen. Yeah, no right? fucking oxygen. You increased ox- yep. another chemical, and then there was yep. no oxygen. Kind exactly. of what we were talking about. No oxygen. But guess Folks, what? disclaimer. Again, phenomenal cook. Not so great <laughs> in the kitchen, not so obviously. Great. Phenomenal but cook. phenomenal cook. When she's not passing out or setting the cheese on fire, it's absolutely delicious. It's insanely delicious. Oh, but man. she just has to not pass out or set the cheese on fire. That... That's such a it's such a good life lesson. Don't set the cheese on fire. Don't set the cheese on fire and don't pass out. Justin, anything you'd like to leave our guests with before we depart for the day? No, nah, I'm just happy to be here. We haven't seen you in a while. I miss you. No. I love you. I miss you too. I love and, you too. Uh, that's it, man. This is fun. Behave yourself. Oh, Wrap I'm, it up. I've been good. I've been good. That's Wear a condom. It. Listen, that yeah. <laughs> don't different, do don't dr- don't do drugs. Pod- don't you know don't just burn say no. the cheese. Crack is whack. Don't burn the cheese, don't ladies burn and gentlemen. The cheese. All right, if there's one lesson we've learned today, don't burn the cheese. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and I appreciate your time. And uh, that's it, kiddos. See you fuckers next week. Later. Bad Decisions is hosted by Katie Duke and is a production of Lasting Media. The show is produced by Katie Duke, Jason Barrett, John Fender, and Jonas Litton. Do you have a bad decision you'd like to share? Visit baddecisionspodcast.com and submit your story for a chance to be featured on the show. For all things Katie Duke, visit katiedukeonline.com and on social media at thekatieduke. Duke.